This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Hello, I'm Executive Editor Eric Chabro, and here are some highlights from GovInfoSecurity.com's coverage during August. With Congress returning next week from its summer recess for an abbreviated session, the pressure is on the Senate to pass an omnibus cybersecurity bill before lawmakers return home in mid-August to campaign. Senator Tom Carper, who chairs a committee with government IT security oversight, says the quickest way for the Senate to pass a cybersecurity bill is to attach it as a rider to the National Defense Authorization Act that is a shoo-in for passage. Actually, if our cybersecurity legislation passed on its own, I think it's going to be difficult. What legislation might be moving through that's likely to be enacted that would be a logical place to append or attack cybersecurity legislation? This is a national security issue, and the, the bill that uh, we are to attach it to the National Defense Authorization Act, I think that's a, actually a place that makes a, a lot of sense. Very likely that we'll pass the, the defense bill interested in defending our intellectual property rights, if we're interested in protecting our identity, if we're interested in protecting our weapons systems, our weapons plans, and that kind of thing. I think it works on a couple of different levels. Also in August, Defense Deputy Secretary William Lynn unveiled a five-point cybersecurity strategy for the military. According to Lynn, the five points, or as he puts it, pillars, are recognizing cyberspace as a new domain for warfare, extending defensive posture beyond good hygiene and perimeter defense, extending protections to the mostly privately operated critical IT infrastructure, pursuing collective cybersecurity defenses internationally, and maintaining and leveraging U.S. technical dominance. We'll be developing those in a formal strategy document over the course of the fall. I think it'll be issued before the end of the year. We're reflecting our judgment that we really think the front lines of national security have been redefined. Any major conflict that we see going forward is going to have some element of cyber warfare, and we need to make sure we've prepared and developed our military capabilities to sustain that. We'll have more after this. Are you responsible for your agency's regulatory compliance program? Do cybercrime, data breaches, or endpoint security keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the GovInfoSecurity.com educational webinar library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit GovInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Despite high expectations, the federal government has been inconsistent with providing business with usable, timely, and actionable cyber threat information and alerts. That's according to a report issued by the Government Accountability Office. It's a problem the Department of Homeland Security recognizes and says we'll work to resolve. Here's the director of DHS's U.S. Computer Emergency Readiness Team, Randy Vickers. We need to work more with industry The transparency piece is improving. We all have sensitive information, some from a national security perspective, some from a proprietary intellectual property perspective, and we are diligently working ways to be able to share information to both sides and keep equities in place and statutory issues in mind and being able to share that information. 
Are we where we need to be? Not yet, but we are making great strides to be able to share information with individual organizations and companies. We are making information available as we can, and we're growing that and learning where those gaps are and trying to fill those gaps with capabilities to share information with industry. In our featured interview, I spoke with Mary Lou Goodyear, the University of Kansas Public Administration professor who co-authored a study on the emerging role of the state chief information security officer. I asked Goodyear about her interviews with state CISOs and the fact that none of the top 10 skills they identified to succeed in their jobs involve technology. In our interviews, there was lots of emphasis on the skill sets they needed to try to convince governmental managers and leaders to spend more time thinking about IT security, the skill sets they needed to convince people that this was really another role that they played. The public manager manages a service. They're an HR manager. They're a budget manager. They're a technology manager. And now they're a data manager. The skill sets to interact with those managers and help them see that broader framework and landscape of IT security are really more communication skill sets, their leadership skill sets, their collaboration skill sets, their conflict resolution skill sets. They're skill sets that are really very different from the technical ones that we expect. That's it for our review of some of the top stories posted on GovInfoSecurity.com in August. I hope you had a pleasant holiday weekend. Don't forget to check out the latest news and views on government cybersecurity at GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.govinfosecurity.com.